both of them have been texting me individually talking about submission and authority. Hand me that handout, please. Both of them have been texting me, and God's been opening up their eyes about submission and authority. Um, and, you know, the Word says so very clearly that humility uh, brings about grace. And what do we want? I mean, how does God make a way in our lives? He makes a way in our life as we walk in grace. Grace gives us favor. Grace empowers us. But grace comes, and greater grace comes, when we humble ourselves, you know, when we submit ourselves to the Lord. And when we submit ourselves to the Lord, we submit ourselves to His ways. And His Word says, My ways are holy. In other words, there's a lot of things that we've missed because we've been like, no, nah, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it the way the world's taught me. I'm going to do it the way my parents have taught me. I'm going to do it the way church has taught. And then, you know, those few times where we've gotten to the place where we're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to submit myself like in a church or something like that. So many times we've been in a place that probably wasn't called by God in the first place and we walk in and all of a sudden, you know, the leadership there messes it up or we perceive that the leadership messes it up. And then we like, okay, I'm not going to submit anymore, right? And we just get, and all of a sudden, what do we do? We literally take the place of grace that God has for us and we step out of that. Or, you know, and so we move outside of the power that God has for us and the answers that God has for us. So what's interesting is this week, individually, they're both sending me stuff. First started last week, sending me stuff on authority. Actually, it started a few weeks before that, but both of them sending me stuff about authority and submission to authority. But I'll tell you, too, the power of God's been moving more in those two lives than a lot of people, and it has to do with that issue uh, because of that. Um, I just, uh, Ricky told me a story just the other night where he was basically sitting there and uh, this is just a testimony to it. Uh, it was a morning. It had been a long week. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, he found himself in need of a, of a job. And, um, you know, it had been a long week. Stuff had gone on. And he said, you know what? I loved what he said. He was like, you know, Pastor Pillow and, Pillow and Sister Sheet sure does sound good church to me this morning. And uh, so, but he said, no, nah, I got to go. I got to get in there. And so he came that morning. We were talking about the abundance of God and what God wants to do in our lives. And Monday, he got offered so much favor and walked out of an interview with a job and a good, and a good one. With a raise. With a raise. But that's the abundance of God. But you have to understand why... Why was that favor given? That favor is a function of grace, and grace is a function of submitting ourselves to the ways of God, whether we feel like Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets or not, right? And uh, I've never heard that. All these years in church, I've never heard that term, but that's a function of, all right, Lord, I'm submitting. And he said, he said, I knew I needed to get there. You know, how many times have we known we needed to get there, but then we'll make, oh, I'll just stay or whatever, you know. And it's not just coming to church. That's, that's one thing, but uh, it does it make a difference. Yeah, and I'm a, we'll probably be sharing about that some today. In everything, it's like when that, you know, coworker makes you mad or, or gets you angry and uh, all of a sudden, you know, you're sitting there and you're like, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to treat them right. 
I want, I want to, I deserve better than how they treated me. All of a sudden, you step right into the world's way. Yes, sir. Where's the mic? Here you go. Zone. Okay. I'm sorry. I got to say this. <laughs> Normally, my wife she fills out the um, Dofford tithes, and um, but Lord laid it on my heart. Well, He laid it on my heart. He doesn't make us do things. We do it on our own free will. And I felt need that morning to be obedient. And I love what you had to say, man. That's awesome. Submit. And I came, my wife, she, like I said, she always fills out the offering. And so that morning I came, uh, I got up, got a check out of the checkbook, came in, filled it out, put it in here. There's two, there's another praise report. I, a new one just came up. <laughs> Glory to and uh, <laughs> uh, I came in, put, put my ties in. The very next day, I got a job offer. And I'm like, thank God, you know. Yeah. And it's like when I, when I lost my job, I come home. I told my wife about it, and, I'm, and, you know, God's always provided for us. You know, the devil can't win. He can't win as long as you got God on your side. And it's like I walked in, and I'm like, and I told her, and I'm like, I'm like, God, okay, what door do you want me, want me to walk through now? You know, where you want to send me? And it's like, um, um, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Um, oh, it was my wife's desire. I was working in Charlotte in Concord. I mean, Monroe, excuse me, Monroe and Charlotte. And I wasn't being reimbursed or nothing, uh, but this new job, they're also giving me a vehicle allowance also to pay for my gas. <laughs> That's another blessing. Amen. <clears throat> but um, anyway, um, but uh, I didn't tell her how much I gave. And I didn't tell you this last night. But she, that the amount I wrote down was the exact same amount that she would have put in. <laughs> and here's, here's the, the new praise report. And I hadn't told my wife yet. She don't even know this yet. <laughs> That's why I had to get up. That's why I had to get up. I told her on the way up here, I'm like, my leg's hurting. I don't know what I did. I must have bumped in something or strained it or something. My leg's hurting. And it's, it's been aching the whole time I've been here. God told me, well, I'll go. And she didn't get up and come with me. But he's like, you know, if you woke up, put the offering in, I'll take care of you. I came up here, the pain is gone in my leg. It, it disappeared while I was sitting there. I felt this, I felt this cold thing go in my leg. I'm like, Lord, are you healing me? He did. So my leg is healed now in Jesus' name. Amen. That's Amen. That's awesome. God is so good. Well, there you go. Healing number five that we know about, you know. But see, that's just it. When we, you know, God is that real and he does care about us that much. No, it's just um, one of the things that we have to really, you know, understand is that if we will line up with God and his ways, everything gets really simple. It just gets so simple. It just things simplify. It's awesome. I mean, it's just so great. And we see that stuff all the time. You know, last week on handout, it said that we were going to uh, uh, Pastor Brian Johnson's church and uh, we went there. And, uh, man, the Lord showed up. We knew we were going in for a revival. I mean, it was some of the strongest services we've ever had. And I can't tell you the number. It was at least four or five people that said, 
I'm changed forever. My life has changed forever. God has touched me. Well, see, when you start to understand who God is and how he wants to touch people and when he actually touches people, that means that their life just went up in every area. Every area of their life just went up. And not only that, but they are now on fire to tell other people about the goodness of God. And it is the goodness of God that lead men to change, that lead men to repentance. And so we just want to be the ones that are carrying that fire. But that means we've got to submit ourselves. You don't walk in the fire of God and the love of God and the manifestation of healing right in the seat. You know, you don't walk in that simply by, by saying, nah, I'm not going to do it God's way. And see, it's not just a pastor. See, here's the thing. Did I lay, I didn't pray for you. You didn't come up here. It's not just the pastor. It's just God. Right. It's Amen. just God wants Praise to do something. He wants to pour out that abundance. I didn't pray for you. I, well, I think we prayed for a new job right when it happened, I believe. But I don't remember. Do you remember? Well, maybe I didn't. But th- what I'm saying is just by being in place and at a part, all of a sudden answers come, stuff comes. Sometimes it doesn't look like it. But you just keep trusting God. Is God worthy of your trust? Yeah. So you just trust him and that's how we submit. But sometimes you don't feel like, you know, getting on telling a coworker I love you because the world says you deserve to be treated better than that. But see, God deserves for you to be treated better than you telling off that coworker. You see, God deserves, Jesus deserves to be treated better than you moving by your flesh or, or even giving in to fear. Jesus deserves to be treated better than that. He's worthy of that trust. You know, the other day, Justin and I were uh, talking about a situation. And in that, in that situation, basically, he had an option to choose one of two areas. He's like, no, this is not the way the Lord would do it. So he chose the way the Lord would do it. And then and, and when we had lunch, I told him, because you chose that, here's what you didn't cause. Because had you gone the other way, it looked small. It looked small to him. But I told him, here's what didn't happen bad. Here's the other thing bad that didn't happen. Here's the other thing bad bad. Here's the other thing bad. And just listed all these things. He wasn't aware of all of that, but I was. And his, what looks like a small decision, but hey, I'm the Lord. He, I am bought with a price. And so I'm going to submit to what is right. I'm going to submit whether my body and my flesh likes it or not. And out of that, he prevented like four or five bad things from happening. And then it just compounds good or bad if we'll submit to the things of God. And this is truly kind of what we're talking about today, too. It fits right in line. We've been talking about from lack to abundance. And we've been talking about how the Lord wants to move us into abundance, right? We've been talking about how God wants to do it. Now, most of the time when you hear about abundance, the first thing that people say is they think about finances. They think about that kind of stuff. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. You know, this year already, I guess it's about nine months now uh, since we, nine months worth of the word working. The Lord told me at the beginning of the year to preach a message on bye-bye debt and hello abundance. And in the middle of it, we were in a fast, which I want you to prepare yourself. We will have a corporate fast at the beginning of this new year. Uh, We will go after the Lord. So start preparing your heart and your mind now. Let's submit to the things of God. 
Man, we saw so much breakthrough from that corporate fast at the beginning of this year. It was awesome. Because, see, when you start moving into a fast and your heart starts searching after God, you just start touching the deep things of God. And God says, pour it out. He breaks the bond over your life. He breaks the yoke. And so here, here we are. We're going to be going into this. But when we did it at this year, uh, all of a sudden things start breaking loose. And he said, as you come out of this fast uh, in, in February, as you come out of this, I want you to pray. The first Sunday after, I want you to pray that debt will be supernaturally erased, that income will rise. You know why? And we're going to talk about why we talked about finances. Jesus actually preached about it a lot, and there's a reason for that. But debt is a bondage. And the first thing we did was we went through the scripture after scripture after scripture that talked about debt being a bondage. And we noticed that in the church, one of the things that holds people back the most is because they are so in bondage to their finances or the lack thereof. And we're looking to be a people that has what this verse says, an abundance for every good work. So 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, and God is able, he is able, glory to God, he's able to do what we're about to say here, to make all grace, all grace, not just a little bit, not just part of it, all grace abound to you so that not just get it to you, but abound to you to bring an abundance of his grace of all grace in your life so that, and here's why, so that always, so how many times are missing? None, always having sufficiency. So we are well supplied in everything. Can you see how many absolutes are in this one scripture? I mean, God is trying to get a point across. You should not be lacking anything. And if you are lacking anything, don't feel bad about it. Just grab a hold of the promise and move into what I've given you, right? A lot of times we'll see a verse like this or we'll see a verse on healing and we'll take on not conviction, but condemnation. Right. The the thing that brings about punishment and damnation is condemnation. It talks of punishment. We'll we'll allow. Oh, I'm so bad. I'm such a horrible Christian. Well, maybe you have been, but probably not as bad as what you think in some areas, probably worse in other areas. What difference does it make? Get heated up for God and you can walk in this. Amen. And so he says. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you may have an abundance for every good deed. So when he lays this out, let me ask you this. How many good deeds does he want you to miss and not have an abundance for? None. So in other words, he says this over in Second uh, Timothy chapter 2 around verse 20 to 22. In the New Living it says, if you will flee youthful lust, in other, in other words, you will submit yourself to the authority of God and you will run from youthful lust, you will be ready for every good work. You will be prepared. So see, the Lord has a plan for each and every one of us. He, won't, he should be able to take any one of us and say, oh, come here, come here. He'll, he ought to be able to say, yep, you, you'll work. You're a believer, right? Glory to God. All right, now I have this work for you. And, he, and this is a good work I want you to do. And because you have fle- 
fleed from, you have been fleeing from youthful lust and you have gone after the things of God, you also have an abundance. And so it doesn't matter what good work it is, you are well supplied for it. Any believer, he ought to say, oh, oh, good job this time, good, amen. And then he ought to be able to come over here and say, mm, let's see, you are good, come here real quick, come here. You're, you're a believer, right? Glory to God. So you have fleed youthful lust, well, I have this work for you. So you are well prepared and you've been walking in abundance. So now abundance to do every good work, good job. He applies that and the work gets done, amen. He ought to be able to look, find any believer, not just a pastor, no, no, no. He's looking to empower you. Yeah. A believer. Yes. This is not written to a pastor. This is written to a whole church. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that always having all sufficiency in everything, you say me, me. I will have an abundance for every good deed. And when you make that yours, all of a sudden you step into something different. You step to another level. And here's the other thing. Every good deed is not just everybody else but you. Every good deed includes you. There's an overflow and it wants to overflow the abundance in your life. Right? If he overflows the cup, and even though the cup may be drank by somebody else, doesn't the cup have some residual of overflow on it? Yeah, there's an overflow. There's an abundance. In other words, you are not just to the full, not just your needs met, but you're an overflow. Even in the Old Testament blessings in Deuteronomy 28, it says that I called you to be the lender and not the borrower. So, you know, the Lord showed this to me several years ago, and I love it. It's such a great point. How are you going to lend if you don't have your needs met and you're not in abundance? If your needs aren't met and you're not in abundance, you can't lend. That's Old Testament blessings without Jesus, just by following the steps of the law. What can we do now that we have Jesus? We just walk in it all the time. Walk in the abundance. And when somebody needs something, somebody, say somebody at the fair says, hey, I need this. You know, it happened to me. I was there at the fair and it wasn't money in this case, but this guy walked up. He said, it happened to you, what you were talking about with the healing. But this guy walked up. He says, I said, how are you doing? He said, not too good. I said, well, let's pray. You know why? Because I had an abundance flowing out of me. Let's pray. He walked to there. I prayed. I said, amen. He said, all right, thank you. And he walked off and that was it. That was the end of the conversation. But see, if you don't walk in abundance, how's the Lord going to send those people to you? You're not going to be prepared for it. God doesn't want to just embarrass you. Well, I hadn't been getting in the word and, you know, I don't really know about his healing and stuff. And Lord's like, well, I can't send them to, to that believer because they haven't been going after the Lord. Or let's say that there's a need and somebody, you know, they need something. Well, I can't send them to that church. They don't have any money. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh my goodness. It's true. It should. The church is supposed to be the source from God. God is, God is longing to be the source through the church. See, why would he send if he, if, look, if debt is a bondage, which it is according to the word, if debt, remember the borrower is slave to the lender. Right. 
That's a bondage. What did the anointing of Jesus come to do? To bring freedom. That right there, just put those two together and you have the plan of God. The plan of God is not for us to be there. Well, if you have a place that's not walking in an anointing to move out of bondage and into abundance, why would the Lord send people there? Generally, he's not going to. The only reason he would is if they weren't able to receive anywhere else. And then that comes back to the hardness of their heart. But he wants people to be walking in such an anointing that they have the answers. That they have healing that just shows up in the middle of the service. They have healing that shows up. It doesn't just work in the walls. It works at the fair too. You have abundance that starts to work. I just got another testimony. So we prayed in January or February. And uh, as far as finances go, uh, there's been a lot of other stuff that's been in abundance. But just as far as finances go, uh, salaries have risen off of who we prayed for. Our, our partners' salaries have risen up to 98000 a year now in the lives of people. So your salaries... Ones that have been reported and the ones who tracked it, your salaries have risen up. That's a yearly income, 98000 at this Thank point. You, Jesus. That's life-changing. Yes. That is life-changing. Yeah. Debt has supernaturally been erased since February. I think it was February 9th or 10th, whatever Sunday's right there. Since February, debt has been erased uh, 677000 that's amazing. I just got a phone call yesterday. Uh, somebody, I just got a phone call and they said, yep, this looks like this is about to happen too. So that number is going to go up even more. Praise God. That's an abundance. You're walking in an anointing for abundance. You're walking in an abundant anointing to bring abundance into the lives of people. So that the people that are connected with that ministry can do it. That's what you were talking about with those dollars. We're supposed to be walking in that, not making excuses for it, not ignoring it because people don't like hearing about money or finances. Now, that doesn't mean that we preach on money or finance all the time. We don't do that. Actually, I hadn't preached on that in about three years before this year. I hadn't, I hadn't preached on it. Last time I preached on it was the Doors of Heaven series, which that was four or five years ago. Now... I'll do it. Here's why we're on it now. Because the Holy Spirit said to do it. And obviously he was looking to move. But why does God want you to have, what's the end game of your abundance? The end game of you walking in abundance, particularly in finances and in really in anything else, is to have an abundance for every good work so that the kingdom of God is advanced. If you don't do every good work, then the kingdom is not advanced properly. And if you don't have the supply to make the work happen, then you're not going to advance the kingdom. So we've sat on things and we've backed away from topics because they're not politically correct. And we've let the enemy just do whatever he wants to. Well, like I said at the beginning, this is a church and we do things differently. We don't care what politically correct thinks. We're going to go after what the word says because the word's more important than what somebody thinks. It's more important than what a politician thinks. It's more important than, than what somebody, a guest thinks. It's more important than what I think. 
I constantly submit my thoughts to that word and let the word tell me how to think, not try to make that word fit me. That's it, Pastor. And that's what's important. We want to stand up for the Word of God, stand up for the character and nature of God, quit making excuses for that stuff. And when somebody gets in that place, all of a sudden they will find that God will meet them. And that's what we're seeing as a whole. I mean, across the whole body we're seeing that. Glory to God. Here's why we talk about finances uh, in specifically. One of the things, Jesus, I forget what the exact number of messages are. I believe it's at least 40% of his messages talked about finances in some way. If he came and preached today, he would be labeled a prosperity preacher. He would be talked about about talking about finances all the time, right? I remember with Brother Hagin, they used to say, well, he always preaches on faith. If you've heard one message, you've heard them all. That's a bunch of nonsense. Yeah. That, that's just nonsense. If, if you ever listened to him, you would find out. But if you're jaded that that's the only thing you're hearing because you took offense because he never preached anything else, then all you would hear is that. But that is not all that he talked about. But that's what they would do. A lot of times people don't realize how jaded and forced and conformed into a worldly box we are. And so they'll hear a message and it's all about that. I'm sure that people will say it about us over time, but not realizing that we don't talk about it all the time as far as finances. But sometimes it's about healing or faith or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter what it is. Anybody can take offense at anything. We have to be the kind of people that says it doesn't matter. They're going to get offended at us because they got offended at Jesus too. But Jesus preached on finances a whole lot. Why? Because he was trying to mobilize and equip a body to do every good deed. He was trying to get them to the place where they understood kingdom finances so that when he called for them to go over to Macedonia, they were well able to do that. When he called for them to, to help start the Corinthian church, they were well able to do that. Not only did they move in a physical abundance, but they were carrying a spiritual abundance too. And they knew how to dish out the resources of God. Glory to God. And he didn't want that just on his apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He wanted it on every believer. Every one of them. That means you. Say, that means me. Now, you need to go to your neighbor, even if you're far away, you need to punch him on the shoulder and say, that means me. Right now, do it. Do it. Get up. That means me. Amen. Amen. pastor told us to punch people in church. It's true. It happened. Yeah. I, I might apologize for that later, but it did happen. It's true. All right. Let's turn to Luke chapter 16. We get to punch people in church. I like going there. Glory to God. Wigglesworth anointing. Luke chapter 16. Now, the whole context of this passage that we're about to read, anybody want to guess what they've been talking about? Money. 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 Right. It says this, watch. Here's why the Lord wants preaching on money. He who is faithful in a very little thing is faithful also in much. And he who is unrighteous in a very little thing is unrighteous also in much. Verse 11, therefore, 
If you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust the true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? Who will give it? So most people will get on this and they'll start talking about how you've done the wrong things with your money and that and everything. And that, that is part of the context here. But I want to point out another little point that's in here. What did he say money was? How did he declare it? He said, it's a little thing. In the kingdom of God, money and kingdom finances and a kingdom understanding of money is a little thing. And a matter of fact, he says, how am I going to give you a big thing if you don't understand this little thing? Now, so we can kind of look at money as godliness 101. Right? Christianity 101. It's the little, it's the beginning course. Money, finances, is the beginning course in Christianity. How are you going to trust God in something you can't see if you're not trusting with something you can see? How are you going to trust Him if you don't understand money and finances and how to apply it and how to uh, apply faith towards it? In that little thing, according to the word, that little thing, how, are, how is the Lord going to put lives in your hand? Futures of people in your hand. Are we not called to influence the futures of people? Are we not called to save lives? How is he going to trust you with the true riches if you won't handle the little thing properly? So see, finances, now I'm talking about literal finances, not just spiritual finance. I'm talking about money is, according to this passage, like Christianity 101. I'm not going to ask my wife this, but I'll just ask you. How many people you think have passed Christianity 101, the little thing of finances, and actually know how to draw on heaven and have faith for it and know how to trust God in their finances? How many people in the church do you think actually know how and are walking in abundance? Very few, I would agree. So if the church is not prepared in Christianity 101, the little thing of finances, no wonder we're not doing anything with the world. No wonder the world looks the way it's been because we haven't been man enough, so to speak, to step up and handle the little things. We haven't been man enough to preach about it. You know, as soon as you start preaching about finances and abundance, I was just in a meeting this week. I was telling David about it. I was just in a meeting this week and I was having, you know, somebody was like, well, they're one of those. They were talking about somebody else. And I'm like, they don't know me yet. They're like, they're one of those prosperity preachers. I'm like, what's wrong with prosperity? I mean, it's all over the word of God. He wants to, pro- beloved, above all, this is New Testament, not Old Testament. It ought to be better in the New Testament anyway. Beloved, 1 John, right? Or 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, above all things, I wish that you may prosper and be in health. 
even as your soul prospers. Well, that's about as simple as it gets right there. God wants to prosper you. See, so we as a church, not just us, but the body of Christ, have not been strong enough in our will to see what's in the Word and not make excuse for it or back down. You know, Like I said, I was in the middle of a group of people talking about people that were preaching prosperity. And I'm, thinking, I'm sitting there going, it's a little thing and you're holding them up from even passing the first class because you don't even know about what the Word says. I was thinking about Jesus, you know. You do err not knowing the Scriptures. And it's not, and I get that people have done things wrong, but look, if, if somebody does it wrong, that does not give me the right to say, get up in front of the Lord and say, well, Lord, I know that you said this, but I watched such and such preacher or person do it wrong. And so I didn't want to fall into that trap. So I took what you said and I just set it to the side. Come on. No. Come on. Do you know what he's going to say to you? Wicked and evil because you trusted in man and yourself instead of trusting me. I wouldn't have told you to do it if you actually didn't have the ability to do it. You go into 1 Corinthians 10, 13. He says, basically, I'll paraphrase, you won't be in a situation if you weren't well equipped to handle it. And I will help you. God is faithful. In other words, what you chose was to put more faith in your lack than to put faith in my ability to help get you through. Right? And see, so we'll drop and not do what God told us to do because some man... At what point in the Word, please find it and tell me. If you, I'll change my theology if you do. Find the place where God says, you get to do wrong because somebody else did wrong. I ain't found that scripture yet. I've been looking for a long time. Never did He say that you get to do what's wrong or what's bad. Because somebody else messed it up. No, you are responsible for every command. Love says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And when he says, beloved, listen to the words of this. Above all things. Above all. My heart. My wish. This is the Holy Spirit talking. My heart is that you may prosper and be in health. God's looking to get good things on his people. How did he announce Christ? The angel showed up. Glory to God in the highest. And, you know, kill them all, Lord. <laughs> no. No. Hurt them. Keep them in bondage. They've been so evil and wicked and I just can't take it anymore. That's not what the angel said. Peace on earth. Goodwill towards men, men with whom he is pleased. I don't understand how he can be pleased with them. I, I grant, granted, I don't get that. But somehow God, in all of his godliness and his goodness, found a way to be God and love on us and get his goodness. Jesus didn't come. He, I mean, he came to separate the wheat from the chaff. But the point was he came to turn more of the chaff into wheat and get the goodness to everybody that could. One time the Lord said this. He said, I'm like a good defense attorney that's looking for any spiritual legal loophole to get my goodness and my mercy into somebody's life. 
If I can find a way to get my goodness into their life, I'm looking for it. I don't care what it is. As long as it's legal, according to my word, according to the scripture, I'm looking for it. And here was the story behind that. I watched somebody, this was early on in Boomerang. John might remember this. And um, anyway, I was, we were praying for something. I think it was chairs, actually, which he brought an amazing miracle. You're sitting in them. But anyway, I think we were praying for chairs. And I, there was another ministry that I was aware of. And as far as I knew, I could be wrong, but as far as I knew at that time, uh, they weren't even supposed to be functioning. They were not a church. They were not a ministry. They weren't, they didn't have a pastor, but yet they were calling themselves that and going after that. And, uh, we're praying for chairs. We needed them. We had folding metal chairs and, and pregnant women going to the hospital after we had meetings. That's the truth. That's a real story. And, uh, I mean, we needed some chairs and we needed some supply. We're trusting God. And about that time, we're trusting God. And here's this. Uh, church that ain't supposed to be a church as far as I knew and I get a testimony they just got a whole bunch of new chairs glory to God somebody just blessed them and I was thinking I was like that ain't funny God they're out of your will they ain't even supposed to be a church we actually are in and need chairs and you're blessing them I was like we need to talk he was, and I didn't say it like that, but I was thinking it. But his response, he responded to me whether I said it or not. He was like, yeah, we do. I said, okay. I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> yes, we do. What you want to say? He said, and that's when he said it to me. He said, and this was the understood, whether you realize it or not, I love them, whether they're messing up or not. And I'm looking to get good things to them because I love them. They're made in my image. My love is more important than whether or not they're messing up. And that doesn't give us a right to go mess up. The word obviously speaks about that. But even when we do, God's looking to love on us. Because that's who he is. He, want, he does not want person to be lost. <clears throat> When he says, I wish that all would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. When he says that, he meant every person, even the most evil one that you can ever think of. He meant it, or else he wouldn't have said it. He's looking to get his love towards people. And that's when he said, he said, listen, I'm looking for any spiritual loophole that I can get my mercy to people. And I went, wow, Lord. I thought I understood you. I did not. And I repent. I'm sorry. And so I got happy over somebody else getting the chairs and not us. I don't remember if that was actually what it was, but it was about that time. So I started getting happy. I started letting the praise. Lord, I praise you for what you get. Not the chair aspect. You loving on them. Glory to God. Because here's the thing. If he can't love on them when they're messing up, is he going to be able to love on me when I'm over here messing up? Come on. See, when we, we're, see I, there's, a, there's a verse in Romans that talks about the thing you judge, is you are now guilty of, and, and that, that works. It's a real deal, you know. And so what would have happened if I, wouldn't have, if I would have continued in my harsh judgment of them? I would have been over here and I didn't need it. And I would have been, my conscience wouldn't have allowed my faith to work. And I would have been judged guilty of the same thing I just did. 
Glory to God for revelation. Thank goodness he's merciful us. And we're sitting in the miracle of chairs. So that's awesome. God's looking to get good things to his people. He loves us. Even Romans 5 says that we were uh, sinners, we were helpless, and we were enemies of God when Jesus was sent. And yet in Luke 2, when the angels show up to announce Christ, even while we were uh, helpless sinners and enemies of God, declared by his own actions, that's what he declared. Even in that point, even in that moment, he says, peace, goodwill towards men with whom I'm pleased. He loves you. He loves you. He's looking to get his love towards us. But he needs a people that will see him as that loving God and start receiving yes. it as that way. Yes. And once they receive that love, let love do its work. Let love do what the love does. The same thing with the adulterous woman. She gets love in a way that she couldn't fathom. She thinks she's getting ready to die. Love is poured out. He forgives her. And then she does what she's supposed to do. Jesus says, now, in other words, now that you've received the love of God, let love empower you to go and sin no more. Let love be what love is called. So see, God needs a people that will stand up for the things of God, no matter what the world is saying. He's been looking for somebody to show himself strong on their behalf. He's been looking for that. Is it you? Yes. Amen. Is it you? Yes. Let it be. Is it you? Yes. But that means we got to start walking in the authority, walking in the ways of God. We got to start submitting ourselves to God more than we submit ourselves to our friend and the world. We got to start submitting ourselves to the Lord. Biblical finances is like Christianity 101. But where does abundance come from? In order, what we need to understand is where does abundance come from? Does it come from you working a lot? No. Does it come from a certain job? Does it come from overtime? Does it come from a good idea? Maybe. But who gave you the good idea? Then who does it come from? No matter how you cut it, it comes from God. Every, every good and perfect gift comes from Him. We looked at these scriptures the other week. Proverbs ten twenty two, And the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. It is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. And he adds no sorrow to it. That word there means toil. In other words, it is the blessing of the Lord that makes rich. It is the blessing of the Lord. We went over these verses the other week. Deuteronomy 8.18 But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who has given you the power to make wealth. Do you realize without God in the equation, you have no power to make wealth? It's He. Do you know some wealthy, ungodly people? Who gave him the power? Why would he do that? He loves them. Does that mean that they have biblical finances down pat? No, but some of them know more about biblical finances than we do. Some of them do. Stephen was reading a book. He was sending me snapshots. It was a worldly book. In the book it said, tithe and give offerings. That's, that's the key to wealth, one of the keys to wealth. Is that right? Wasn't even a Christian book, but the book, the people that wrote it understood that tithing and giving to God, they knew who the source was. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Amen. And we wonder sometimes how people get, God is looking for any spiritual loophole to get his blessings on people. He'll even use people that don't understand him 
to say it and to live it. But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you the power to get wealth. That he, why? That he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. God is a promise keeper. God is a faithful God. Acts 17, 28, for in him we live. We know when he says live or have life, he always means it in abundance to the full till it overflows. Or in him we live and move and have our being. See, wealth and abundance comes from doing things in God's holy ways. You're not going to walk in the full freedom of it. See, a lot of times when people have wealth, but they don't understand biblical finances, or they're not walking for God or in the power of God, they may have wealth, but that's about the only thing they have. They also don't have peace. They believe that it was their work that got them there a lot of times. But you can be that person. Uh, man, amen. I believe the Holy Spirit just told me to tell for anybody in here that will receive it. You can be that multimillionaire and even multibillionaire in God. I'm telling you now that I believe he stopped me to tell you that. So if you'll receive that, I'm telling you, I'm giving you the legal authority, spiritual. You can be that multimillionaire and multibillionaire as long as you put God first and go after him with it. Because he gives it to confirm his covenant. And when you understand the balance of that, he can give you more. Amen. That's a word for it, whoever will receive it. But his abundance, the right way, comes from doing things his holy ways. His holy ways. And look at these scriptures and we'll be done today. Let's look at Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. Romans chapter 10. And verse 17, you know this verse, you've heard it multiple times. How many of you are applying faith for abundance? Amen. That should be all of us, because abundance is not a bad thing. It's just bad if it's in the hands of the wrong people. How many of us are applying faith for abundance? How many of us are applying faith, or should be, at least from this day forward, to be out of debt and out of bondage and in abundance? Amen. So how does faith come? Well, this verse here says... Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Anybody heard that verse before? Yeah, once or twice? <laughs> Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Now, what does that mean? Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know, when, we, when you read your Bible... And you put the word in, faith starts to build. Have you ever been reading your Bible and all of a sudden you read a verse, you've heard it for like the umpteenth time, and all of a sudden that thing comes alive inside of you? Amen. I mean, it's like it explodes. Oh, all of a sudden it becomes yours. It becomes so real, right? That, this, that's what this is. It, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. That, that word there, uh, put... Put it up on the screen for me. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Whoop, back up one. This is going to get real funny because it's probably going to be like zoop, 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 zoop. All right, verse 17. Ooh, that's squishy. Wow. There we go. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. This word right here, word. 
That word in the Greek is rhema. That means a revelation or a word that comes alive. It comes alive in you. In other words, faith comes when the word comes alive in you. So a lot of times what happens is we'll hear preaching, we'll hear preaching, we'll hear preaching. But then all of a sudden when it comes alive, that's when faith is really produced in us. But a lot of times we think that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. So we just need to keep reading, read, 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 read. And then we read again. And, and the concept here of hearing is that you've heard it and you've heard it again and you've heard it again. It's continuous hearing. But we need the word to come alive. Well, how does that happen? It happens as we read the word. It happens as we pray. But what is the context of this? What's the context of this passage? Because what they say is actually very specific. So let's go back to verse 8. So in other words, we're talking about moving in abundance. And this is a very short point. But we're talking about moving in abundance. But we want to see, we understand that we don't move in abundance outside of God's ways. Well, what is God's ways? We don't move in abundance unless we apply faith. How does he get faith to us? Well, right here it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. But what's he talking about? So in verse 8, you start to see something. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. So is this the word that's read? Or the word that's preached. It's the word that's preached. So in the context of this passage. Does faith come for abundance. By just reading it all the time. Or is a way of God to hear it preached. Does that mean sitting at home watching it on the internet. No. That means you are sitting there. Why? Because there's a thing called impartation. Like that word I just had a second ago that said you can be a multimillionaire. You can't receive it the same way watching it as you can sitting here. Because the anointing of God to set the captives free is tangible. It's a tangible thing and impartation is passed on. And faith rises up as we preach the word. So a way of God, you've got a whole bunch of people that are trying to be wealthy. They're trying to move into abundance and they're skipping the very ways of God. They're not humbling themselves and they can't move into the fullness of his grace. They can't move into it because they keep thinking that their answers are coming from somewhere else besides God. And not realizing that one word in a congregation while the word's being preached can cause faith to rise up in you and everything changes forever. One word of you sitting there when the Holy Spirit moves on a preacher and says, you can be a multimillionaire. And all of a sudden, it explodes on the inside of you, whether you feel it or not, but something changes. And now the blessing of the Lord that was moving through the preacher is now going to cause you to be made wealthy and be rich. But it comes like that. How many people in America today, they're, they're going after God. They say they're going after God, but it's not the way that he did. They're outside of his ways. He says right here, verse 9, this is where he teaches us how to win people to the Lord. 
And he he says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call on Him. For whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how will they believe in Him whom they have not heard? And how will they hear without a preacher? So faith comes the same way. Faith for salvation comes the same way that faith for abundance comes. Faith works the same. You just put in the promise of God. Faith builds towards that. And faith then is released to release that abundance in your life. So how then does faith come for that salvation? By having a preacher. And somebody preaching the word. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts to move on hearts and starts to draw people. And the same way it works for abundance, the same way it works for healing. You see, if I can understand how faith works in my finances, remember it's Christianity 101. If I understand that I need a word from the Lord, I understand that I have a promise from God. I'm just waiting on one word. Then all of a sudden I also understand how to move in healing. I know how to move in restoration. I know how to move in deliverance. I know how to move in protection. I know how to move in salvation. All of a sudden the kingdom is at my hand because I've conquered Christianity 101. You're seeing it. You're getting it. I can feel it. How will they hear if faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God? How will they hear without a preacher? And how will they preach unless they are sent? Just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news of good things. However, they did not all heed the good news. For Isaiah says, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So in context, faith rises up as we hear the word of God. As we are in position to hear the word preached. How important then is it for us to be humble to the ways of God? These are holy. How important is us to be in the ways of God and be planted in the place that God has called us to be in? Because one word on one day, one of obedience to give an offering on one day, right? One being in place or hearing how to move in the love of God causes a cascade of his goodness instead of a cascade of curse. One person being in the right place, you hear the word of God, the Holy Spirit ministers to you, and all of a sudden abundance can come. But if we're not in that place, we can miss it. You miss the one word that would have changed everything. So the ways of God is to humble ourselves, to get into his ways, to hear him, to do what he says, whether we feel like it or not. Whether we like, you know, Pastor Pillow and Sister Sheets, (laughs) we get in the place. We humble ourselves. We move into abundance. Christianity 101. Why? So that we can move into the true riches and do every deed that God's called us to do. This is our call. 
It's the reason why we're here on earth. It's not to play games with. We're not here just to get the lake house. We're not here just to get everything that we want. We are here to serve the Lord because he served us first. We're going to love because he loved us first and we're going to go after him with everything. That means we've got to put the flesh down and discipline ourselves to move into his ways and do what he's called us to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I just ask you to bow your heads right now. Lord, just let this message take root. It's the blessing of God that causes us to be rich and add no sorrow to it. It's your will to cause us to prosper. In you, we live and move and have our being. Lord, let this message sink deep into the hearts to produce an eternal fruit in Jesus' name. One of his ways is to walk in fellowship with Jesus Christ. And no matter where you're at or how you've been or how you've been doing, maybe right now today, you're like, you know what? I know that relationship's not where I need it to be. It might not be bad, but I know it needs to go higher. I know it needs to be more pure. And so if that's you right now and you're saying, I need to get that relationship right. I need to walk in his ways and I need to have a relationship with Jesus. I need that relationship. I need his supply right now. If that's you, just raise your hand and hold it up for a minute so I can see everybody. Amen. I see those. Keep them up for just a second. Amen. Keep them up for just a second so I make sure I see everybody. I want to pray for you. Amen. I see those. And I just ask, okay, you can put them down. I just ask everybody, just pray this with me. Just say, Father, Father today, today, I saw how good you are. I saw how much you wanted to be good in my life. And I heard from a preacher. And faith for fellowship. Is rising up. Lord, I want to reconnect with you. I want my fellowship to be right. Jesus, I ask you to be my Lord. And by faith, you are the Lord of my life. You are the director in my life. You call the shots, and I'm obedient. Father, Thank you for sending your son. He took my sins and he died for them. And you, Father, brought him back to life and raised him up. And when you raised him up, you raised me up. And according to your word, you seated me in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Holy Spirit. Fill me, overflow me, and strengthen me to be who you've called me to be. Father, right now I just pray that abundance would come in every life. Lord, overflow spiritually and physically, financially, emotionally, and socially, Lord. Bring abundance now. Healing come. Peace and grace be made multiplied in Jesus' name.